Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. And we've got a special time today. We're doing the show at 3 in the afternoon on February 8th uh, because we have a guest who's talking to us from Europe. And she had to work this morning, so she's got time tonight. And we're we'll probably had to put the kids to bed, maybe. Who knows? So we'll ask Michelle all about it. We're going to be talking today about her new book, which she wrote with Brian Dieters, and Brian, her co-author, who's a social studies teacher in Morton, Illinois, which is near Peoria, okay, he couldn't be with us today, unfortunately, okay, and so um, we've got to Michelle here, and Michelle, they wrote a book called, this is for Times 10 Publications, and they wrote a book which is called Preventing Polarization, it's all about teaching civics in classrooms today, and it, it touches on SEL, et cetera, et cetera, social emotional learning, how that all comes together uh, to prevent polarization. So we're going to have a wonderful conversation with Michelle in just a few minutes. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. Ace-ed.org is the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education, our new issue of the magazine. Equity and Access Pre-K-12, just, just go over to ace-ed.org, click on the cover of our online journal. It's a good issue because it's all about all the uh, Equity Awards winners, okay, the National Equity Awards winners, both uh, educators, okay, and all types of people who work in schools as well as a lot of companies, okay, who work so hard to create equity in Pre-K-12 education. We honored all of them in the issue, and we also have a lot of stuff on there about SEL, teacher retention, and of course, every podcast we've done is over at A-Ed, too. So please check it all out. Everything we do over there is free, including a subscription to the magazine. So take a minute and subscribe if you want. Certainly go over, take a look at it. And, uh, oh, all the way to Switzerland. Here's Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Larry's here. Hi. Nice to be here. Thanks for having well, me. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you. Are, you. are you in Switzerland today? I actually flew into Florida because my brother had a baby. <laughs> How convenient. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Okay. It's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So Florida. So, <laughs> so Florida and Switzerland, they look alike scenery-wise, don't they? I have to say it was a bit bizarre coming from kind of some snowy Alps to uh, some very hot weather. (laughs) And enjoy it while you're there and take a dip in the ocean. Where are you in Florida? It's great. Um, Just outside Tampa. Okay, good, beautiful city. Good enough. Okay, so that's great. And I hope you have a great time in the U.S. here. Okay. And tell us, before we get into this, tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, please. Uh, Sure. So um, I actually got started teaching in Virginia. I taught uh, world history as well as civics. Um, And then I ended up teaching abroad in Switzerland. Uh, Since then, I have kind of transitioned over into the consulting world. uh, And I do a lot on rethinking professional learning and uh, focusing focusing on those issues that are greatly impact our students, uh, like polarization or sustainability. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I'm mostly doing now. Okay, good enough. And you wrote here that you're co-founder of something called the Educators Lab. What's that? Uh, Yeah, so that's where we do a lot of the professional learning work. Uh, So I kind of consider myself a change consultant. We have another book called The Startup Teacher Playbook. Uh, I learned a lot because I kind of have a foot in the social startup world, if you will. Um, So I've been able to learn a lot from Mm -hmm. that space um, and bring those methodologies back to teachers so that they can materialize the great ideas they have for the classroom. Boy, that is excellent. And I want to give some credit here because Brian just had stuff come up. He couldn't be with us today. He's the co-author of your book, Preventing 
polarization, which, by the way, you can find it ta- at um, – let me get the exact website here. I want to make sure I have it. It's Times 10 Publications at uh, www.1010publications.com, or you also have a website of your own, preventingpolarization.com. But Brian couldn't be here with us today. How would you guys hook up? Where did you meet? So um... – Yeah, we're both kind of from rural parts of the U.S. I'm from Virginia. He is from Illinois, and we actually Mm -hmm. taught social studies together in Switzerland. Um, And then we both, uh, after (laughs) some since abroad, we returned back to a very divided America, and we we connected and we're like, we need to do something, both of us having experience as civics teachers. Brian's currently still a civics teacher, um, and it's a product of that. And I have to say that both of you, both you, Michelle, and Brian, when you come back to the United States, both of you seem to go to the flattest possible places. You in Florida and him in Central Illinois. What is well, why yeah, is no, when, yeah, yeah. No, when Switzerland, I went, uh, when I flat, went back, yeah. Yeah. No, no, when I went back, I'm actually from Virginia, so I am more in the Blue Ridge. Um, okay, so I'll give you I'll this, give you a break. Being here in Florida is because of I, my brother actually <laughs> moved into this house six weeks ago. So if we had talked two months ago, I hadn't really expected anything that's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. Just have a great time, okay? Because it couldn't yeah, be a better time you. to go to Tampa, i got to tell you. And, Brian, I know you're going to listen to this, and I'm sorry you're not here with us today, but you, you just enjoy Illinois, man, okay, in the winter. Nothing like, like Peoria in the winter, as they like to say. Okay, preventing <laughs> polarization, 50 strategies for teaching kids. I love this about empathy, politics, and civic responsibility. Wow. Okay. This is wonderful. You were a civics teacher. You were a social studies teacher. Talk that, and you certainly know what's going on. Tell us, Michelle, what, what do you hear what's going on in civics classrooms today? This is what obviously so, prompted you folks to write the book. Yeah, it's actually not just civics classrooms. Um, in doing professional learning, uh, a disturbing amount of teachers uh, have basically said they kind of feel like they have to walk on eggshells uh, when Mm, facilitating conversations, um, that uh, they're kind of discouraged from talking about current events and real-world issues. Um, And, of course, I think there's no better, you know, playground uh, or practice field than the civics classroom. Um, But, yeah, I just have heard from a disturbing amount of teachers that we're kind of avoiding or being discouraged from having really important conversations that our students want to have. Uh, And so that's kind of what also helped us to to spark um, some of the ideas behind this book so that we could start uh, having some of these conversations or bring to the table uh, the importance of why these conversations need to happen and why it's, you know, not acceptable to avoid them, uh, why it's not acceptable to just avoid them. Who do they say is creating the challenge? Uh, is it the kids or is it the administration? Is it the school board? Where do you see, where's the uh, focal point of the challenge here? Um, so, I, and this isn't in the book, but usually when talking with teachers, I think they feel uh, not necessarily from the students, but uh, from parents, from school board, from administrators. So it's coming from a variety of angles. I also think sometimes it just feels like, you know, society at large. We have a lot of yep. teachers leaving the classroom right now. And I think yes, we do. Um, overall teachers don't necessarily feel valued, and I don't know if they feel trusted uh, to do their jobs. And then I think specifically when it comes to civics, and I imagine this is, this is true for um, uh, other social studies subjects. Um, the curriculum tends to be uh, quite formal. I-, I taught in Virginia, so my experience is there. Um, and, you know, we have the standards of learning, and 
it really focuses a lot on, on memorization. And for instance, in something like the civics classroom, and this is something we talk about in the book, you have the body of civics, which is kind of just, you know, the mechanics of how it functions. And then you have the soul of civics, which is that passion mm. and drive. You need to be nice. engaged so that you care about your community um, and, and want to take action. And the thing is, is the two go together. So, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about uh, why don't, you know, just, just stick to the curriculum. And, and it's not easy to do that. And just to give an example in civics, you know, you'll talk to students about the electoral college. Most students aren't happy to learn about the electoral college. It kind of makes them angry. They're shocked that we still have this in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so am I. So am I. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah, and then we'll talk about things like, Uh, running for president and the kids are like okay how do you do that and then we get into election costs well the last election was you know over 14 billion dollars and then the students are like well where do they get the money from and then we start talking about lobbies and then they learn about citizens united and so they they have emotions that come with learning about civics and i think the thing is is we try to separate separate this kind of knowledge piece from from the emotional piece and this is kind of what sparked us to want to talk more about social emotional learning in terms of civics because it is an emotional topic and I think we need to be able to address that so that kids can can talk about these things because they want to. Well, let's segue into that in terms of social emotional learning. And that's a, by the way that's a wonderful point of view how the polarization is a social emotional aspect of education. Okay, and it, 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 it seems to focus. I, I do agree with you here more in civics classes because kids obviously watch TV and they hear their parents talking over the table. And some parents are conservative and some parents are liberal and they hear about the arguments and all that sort of thing. And it just overflows into school. OK, and I, I have to say this, as you well know, every kid is entitled to their political opinion. Nobody would argue that. Okay, and that's healthy to have a good good discourse. The thing is to have a healthy discourse, and that's what we're talking about here. When you say SEL, how do you how do you how do you put that into the uh, the 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 polarization challenge? Well, uh, so some of it is about you know um, self-regulating. Some of it's about managing emotions. Um, So, for instance, sometimes when a certain issue comes up, uh, you know your immediate response might to be angry. Or it might be because of what you have heard from, you know, what other other sources to say, well, this is wrong and this is right. Um, And usually with a lot of issues, it's it's complex. Um, And kids need to have an opportunity to kind of dig deeper and and dissect the issues and explore them. And so um, in today's world, uh, you know, and I think this would probably be a good example that most adults even run into with each other is we have this. Uh, and I think since we have this presidential system, uh, sometimes it's it, this presidential two-party system, sometimes it seems we kind of have this team mentality but behind the party that, you know, we vote for. And um, it causes us to maybe uh, resort to bumper sticker politics, and it's like, well, I'm right and you're wrong. Um, and this is a very ego-driven way to talk about things, um, and, and it doesn't facilitate dialogue either. And so, for instance, uh, social-emotional learning is necessary because we need to be able to take a step back, um, reflect on what our goals are. So, for instance, if we're talking about a public health issue, like when COVID, uh, in the middle of the pandemic, I remember being kind of shocked because I felt like the conversation was like, okay, you need to pick health or wealth, you know? And I'm like, shouldn't, shouldn't the conversation be, how do we have a healthy population that maintains its livelihood? Shouldn't it be health and wealth? 
And so, it, 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 you know, when when we go in and don't kind of reflect on our goals and what we want to achieve, we, we, we shut down the dialogue. And this is important, right? Like something like this is practicing humility of like, okay, I want my goals. I don't know what the right answer is, but I want to have a conversation so we can figure out what might be the best thing to do. And then I need to be open enough to kind of tolerate other people's, you know, opinions or suggestions about the issue. But in this way, we can have a thoughtful dialogue and move forward. And so a lot of this goes into just regulating our emotions, um, being reflective of how we're responding to people, um, and ensuring we have kind of the soft skills needed to facilitate or engage in healthy dialogue. Couldn't agree with you more. My question to you, well, actually, maybe let me ask you a question first. Okay, who do you want to read this book? The book, again, is Preventing Polarization. That's the name of the website, .com, preventingpolarization.com. Okay, how do you want, who do you want to read the book? And, I'm, and I want to go back to what you just said about SCL when you finish answering that question. Go ahead. Sure. So we would be happy for any and all teachers to read it or even parents. Um, I think that's the thing is when we talked about kind of the, the soul of civics, being um, civically engaged, civic-minded, um, this is something that you need to build over time. This is something that we can, any adult, and so therefore all educators, um, we can help our students to feel, you know, more civically-minded because uh, the kids need to make the link that you know, being an engaged citizen, being involved in civics, being involved in policy, this is one of your best outlets for systems change. Um, and this, whatever policy is in place, whether it's at the local level, state, or national, um, this is going to shape your day-to-day. -day. And, you know, the world has a lot going on, so you need to understand the relevance of we each have a part to play in shaping the type of world we want to live in. And so we wrote this um, because we wanted to be able to engage with all teachers uh, or we wanted to kind of spark a conversation with, with any and all teachers or parents about what we might do to make sure that our kids, A, understand the relevance of, of civics um, so that they are more civic-minded, civic but also to make sure that um, they have those basic building blocks needed that usually coincide with, with um, social-emotional learning so that they can engage in conversations. Uh, because we need communication. We need to be tolerant of various perspectives. We need to understand how to explore issues. We need to understand how to build consensus. Um, and these are things that take time. I don't think a, a one-and-done civics course is going to be able to accomplish all of that. No, it is No, it is not. But we're on the same wavelength here. So let me go back to what you're saying about SEL, which is very important these days. Okay, I can't tell you. Everybody knows how important it is. All right. How do you? How does a social studies teacher, and I know you have this in your book, and I want you to talk about it as part of your strategies. How does a social studies teacher, literally, who who really doesn't know much about teaching SEL, okay, officially, how do how do they incorporate it in there? Okay, well, where's the where where? How do you want? I'm trying to. How do you want the SEL to fit in? That I'm, you know where I'm going here. So, I mean, for me, SEL is just skill building. I, it, it should be naturally infused in any curriculum. Mm -hmm. I do have to say, too, uh, I would agree for, my with undergrad, that. I, for my undergrad, I majored in anthropology. And at the time, people were like, what do you do with anthropology? Well, for me, anthropology is studying how to empathize with people and how to notice people. And then, of course, you have courses hmm. in sociology. And that's studying patterns in society and, and movements and, you know, how people respond to things. So there's a lot in there. And also, also too, I think, you know, I remember with a social studies certification, I was able to teach psychology as well. So you have courses mm. with that. 
Um, and I think, you know, with infusing social emotional learning, I mean, facilitate a debate, uh, you know, have a conversation. All of these skills are there, you know, it's not, I mean, I think that's the thing. If you have a curriculum where students are just supposed to memorize facts, sure, then it would be hard to uh, infuse social emotional learning. But if students are playing a game or doing a simulation, um, really anything that's hands-on, there should be uh, a, a way to help them to reflect on the process and how they learned and how they engaged. And I think this is where kids build their skills because we're being intentional of saying, you know, did you feel like you communicated well? You know, did you feel like you were able to respond well to others? Did you feel, you know, but I think it's kind of this sort of metacognitive process of just ensuring that students have the opportunity to reflect on experience and what they felt um, and how they grew by doing certain activities. Right. It's, it's, it's all, it's, it's all just a mix. And I love the, the things you cover in your book. And I just want to keep pushing the book. All right. Cultivating critical thinking. Okay. Digesting information and considering its source, which is media literacy is the way I call it. Understanding the impact of their actions, which I think is very important there. I'm going to talk to you about empathy in a second. Exploring how to handle tough conversations, making group work a norm, which I'm going to ask you about that, and being able to get involved. When you say making group work a norm, okay, why did you put that in there? You want the teacher well, off the I, center of the stage, which I think is good, by the way. But what were you talking well, What did so you mean you, when you put that I, in there? A few of the skills that we mention in the book um, are collective leadership. We mentioned change making. Um, we mentioned um, empathy. So we, we actually talk about apathy and empathy. And the thing is, mm. is if we want, we just talked, you know, we, we had just talked about helping students to communicate and to understand perspectives and right. to consensus. You can't do that alone. Like, I mean, so of course you should be doing more group work because if you can't practice, um, how do you expect, you know, children to, to form into adults that are good at these skills? And for me, the classroom should be a low-stakes environment where we learn how to work with one another, whether it's on projects, whether it's on, you know, discussing an issue or whatever. Um, so I, I think it's critical we make group work a norm. Um, so that students get that opportunity. I mean, there's very few jobs where you work in a silo. So, um, uh, of course, I think it should be norm. Yeah, it should, it should be, and I hope it is. I, I wanted to ask you this, this, and this is key to me. You're, you're, you, you, you're in Florida today, but you live in Switzerland, okay? At least you're there for a while. And um, talk to me about the difference. You must see a difference. You must vid Your kids may maybe go to Swiss schools. I don't know. Okay, do you see the same thing happening about the polarization in, in the European countries? And you can use Switzerland as the example. Um, so, actually, I wouldn't use Switzerland as an example. So, my, my girls do go to the public school in Switzerland, um, which is quite different uh, than the system here. Uh, but I think that's a whole other conversation. Um, so, Switzerland is yeah. one of the few countries with a direct democracy. So, if there is an issue... Um, there will people can get X amount of signatures, and there will be a votation to which people directly vote on if you know they want something passed or not. Um, and so, therefore, people really dissected the issue, right? So it, it can be about um, 
I don't know, do we want hormones in food, something like this. And people are really, it's one at a time, right? So people can really form an opinion on this. I I mean, most countries have representative democracies. So the polarization isn't just happening in the U.S. I mean, you look at Brazil, Italy, France, U.K. I mean, it's happening in a lot of places. So um, this isn't just an American issue. Uh, I think some of the, and we say this in the book, uh, you know, we didn't come to say why the polarization is happening everywhere. I think this would take years of, of, of research and data, but we do know that it's happening and we do know that we need to try something because our kids are suffering. Like our kids feel the polarization. They know it's tense. I, I, I think uh, we kind of don't have the time, if you will, to get all the research before we, we try and help them. Um, but that said, I think Part of the reason we have polarization is, you know, the world is changing very, very quickly, um, and it's hard to adapt, you know. So I think that's causing a lot of problems with people um, just trying to figure out what's next. Uh, So, I I mean, just to give climate as an example, I mean, uh, the U.S. is very polarized on this issue, you know. I I still have people that, that talk about, like, oh, it doesn't exist. And it's like, I don't know why this is still a conversation right now. Um, I don't know so either. I, 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 think, I think that's the thing is, like, we don't get to choose what's happening in the world, um, and we need to respond so, to what is happening, which means trusting our experts um, and whatnot. But, and I think this is part of the reason why the polarization is happening, because the world's changing fast and we want things to move quickly, um, we have a lot of people that I think are being left behind or not considered or who don't want to change. Um, and so it's just this weird kind of conflict, I think, that's happening in a lot of countries where um, we're seeing more nationalism in places um, uh, but and protectionism. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's probably not a sufficient answer, but it's one of those questions that's kind of so loaded you don't know where to begin. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, where where do you begin exactly? You know, when you look at your book, you consider your book an SEL book, a social emotional learning book, or do you consider it a book for uh, history teachers? How do you where do you put it? Oh no, def- definitely social emotional learning. I mean, it, it's not just for social studies teachers at all. I think a lot of the things that we talk about too, like if you're an English teacher, even a math teacher, like let's say you talk about the value of stats or you know exponential growth, something like this. Um, there's a lot of, uh, and especially in relation to current events uh, and, and, and questions that kids ask, um, right. I think there's a lot of uh, emotion behind things. And I think one of the other things, too, like we, we have a section on mindful information consumption. And at this point as well, mm. we don't get to choose where, where students consume their information. So, for instance, if, you know, they're getting stuff off Instagram, um, and maybe it's a meme, uh, you know, do they know how to dissect that? Do they know what's accurate or not? How do we help them to, to do that? Or if they're watching things on TikTok, right? Like how are we helping them to 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 know what's accurate, you know? Um, and I think this is something that all teachers are kind of struggling with, of dealing with this, like, inf- you know, this era of information overload. Uh, we have so much. Uh, tech has disrupted literally, literally everything. Um, students are getting information and ideas from absolutely everywhere. And yeah. I think a lot of this social-emotional learning, this, this piece, is, is impacting most subject areas. You know, you know, it's interesting. One of the reasons that the public education was created in this country was to create good citizens. That's, that was the purpose. They realized that if you're putting the vote in the hands of the people, the people have to actually know what's going on. 
And so an education system started to get created, okay, so that people did understand, which is actually, in my opinion, the reason they started the Electoral College, because they, they didn't think the people were ready yet. We're ready now, but we still have that stupid thing, okay? It's just, it's just amazing. What I love about your book, okay, is that this is really what the essence of public education is about. It's about creating civic responsibility. Okay, yeah, we have to teach the three R's. Okay, yeah, we can do that. Okay, but the more important thing is to get kids ready to be good citizens of their country. All right, that's what it's about. All right, and this is what your book is about. It's about politics. It's about civic responsibility and the things we need to do in a classroom, okay, to make that happen. All right, and that's why I think it's, it's just... So darn important. And, you know, you, you know, your book is called Preventing Polarization, all right? It's not called Stopping Polarization, all right? Because there is polarization now. Can we change what's there now, okay? Do you, you see hope that we can change things now, or is this going to take five or ten years? What do you think? Oh, no, this will take forever. Even even preventing polarization, it's, it's already here, you know? Yeah, it and is. So I think that's yeah. the thing is – but we need to try something. And so I think just looking at our own classroom, if you're only noticing that those, you know, those extreme views are the only ones that are, are being discussed, I feel like when you talk to most people, most people are somewhere actually in the middle. Um, and I think people oh, sure. would feel better if they understood <clears throat> and we had more conversations about issues, about where we want to go as a nation. And, um yeah, I, I think that's the thing is, can we prevent it? I'm not sure, but I would sure like to try. And I think that's yeah. what we wanted to do with the book. Yeah, yeah, we got we got to make it happen. And one other thing, you know, you want this to be read by educators. Did you read it or did you write it? I, I know Brian teaches high school, okay? So did But did you write it with the high school teacher and student in mind, or did you write it for the pre-K-12 teacher in mind? Just curious. Um. So I would say I wrote, I mean, I taught middle and high school, so I would say it's yeah. a bit more with that teacher in mind. But, my, for instance, my mom taught third, and, and she read the book, and she's like, yeah. this is great. Um, because we really, we really tried, for instance, on strategies that kind of cover some of the skills we talk about. I think there's something that any teacher can adapt. I mean, teachers, you know, they know their craft. So if they like an idea, they'll, they'll, they'll implement it. That's good stuff, that, i got to tell you. For them. Yeah. Yeah, you, you you guys did something good here, all right. You you Michelle Blanchet and and uh, and and Brian Dieters. I mean, you guys put something together, and I just hope it's a it's a terrific addition to what's a growing library. What we need with schools to get back to what schools really mean. So, I, Michelle, thank you so much, and I got to tell you, enjoy Florida. You and I are on the same time zone today. It's three twenty-seven. <laughs> okay. Yeah, thank when you, you so much. Home? Yeah, when are you heading home? Um, I head back on Monday, or no, so on you, Sunday. I arrive okay. Monday. Good enough. Yeah, how do you? Well, how do you fly home through France? Where do you go? Uh, I think I actually fly back through London. Good enough. Okay, give my regards to good old London. Okay. All right, have a safe yeah. trip. It's wonderful to talk to you. It's wonderful to know you. Okay, and thank you. You as so well. Much. Thanks so much for this. We appreciate it. All right, take Are care. Are you kidding me? My pleasure. You take care. Bye bye. Hi, Michelle Blanchet, everybody, okay, uh, who is the uh, author, along with her co-author, Brian Dieters, who, again, unfortunately couldn't be with us today to hear, okay, 
Preventing Polarization. Their website is preventingpolarization.com. You can also go, and I do recommend this, you go over to uh, 10 Publications. It's the number 10, 10publications.com. My good friend Mark Lawrence, the publisher over there, and he's produced a whole series of books that are just absolutely fabulous that really look at public education in a different way. And this is just one of them. Okay, so go over there and enjoy it. All right. It's good stuff. All right, we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. We do good stuff, too, and everything we do is free for you, so please go over, check it out. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.